Well, good evening, everybody. I want to welcome you to the Nebraska Cattlemen's Producer Education Webinar. I hope everybody got to enjoy some sunshine today. I am Benita Lettier, Director of Producer Education with the Nebraska Cattlemen. We are excited to be partnering tonight with Jesse Fulton, Nebraska BQA Director, to host this informational website. Nebraska Cattlemen works for cattlemen on issues affecting them. Some of the areas you'll find us working on are legislative and regulatory affairs, producer education programs. We have several affiliates across the state. We hope that you find time to attend some of their meetings. If you would like to know what we're doing, make sure you check out our website. Our members receive a bi-weekly newsletter. We're active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have a couple new projects, our NC blog and podcasts. If you are not a Nebraska Cattlemen member, we hope that you will consider investing in our organization. Couple things on housekeeping for tonight. Um, we're going to be doing our questions with a couple different options. Uh, there's a Q&A box down at the bottom of your screen. At any time you can type your question in there. Jesse will get to it. Um, along the way. Um, also, if you would like to uh, speak your question and not type it, you have the ability to raise your hand. So we're gonna give that a try down at the bottom of the screen. You should have the option to raise your hand. So if you wouldn't mind, let's give her a test. Um, if everybody can raise their hand. Looks good. Now I got to remember how to lower the hand. Perfect. Now, uh, if you would let us know how many of you guys are BQA certified, raise your hand if you are BQA certified. We're going to fix that tonight for you that didn't raise your hand. Jesse's going to go over um, and cover uh, what you need to do to get certified. So again, if you have any questions, go ahead and type in that Q&A box and raise your hands. If you have any questions along the way, feel free to text me. My phone number is 402-450-0223. Again, that's 402-450-0223. We are recording the webinar. Um, it will be posted on our website by tomorrow morning. So if you miss something, you can review it. If you need to share it with somebody that uh, you need needs this information, please feel free to do that. I am going to turn it over to Jesse and we are gonna get it underway and cover the Nebraska BQA program. Thanks, Benita. And thank you all for joining me tonight. I'm very excited to be here. I'm excited to be uh, talking to our Nebraska producers about the Beef Quality Assurance Program. Uh, but first I was asked to introduce myself and kind of my background and where I came from and what brought me here to Nebraska. So um, I'm originally from Lewis County, Kentucky. Now I say the county because Kentucky has 120 counties and that's just how we do it there. Yet people ask where you're from, they always say what county, but to get more specific, I'm from the Tolvoro area. So uh, the county I'm in is right up along the Ohio River. Uh, some people say I'm close enough to be in Ohio, but I promise you, if you were to ever go to the house where I was raised, uh, you would know that I was born in the backwoods of Kentucky. Uh, my education, I went to Moorhead State University there in Kentucky. It's about 45 minutes from my parents' house. I graduated in 2013 with a degree, bachelor's degree in animal science. Uh, while at Moorhead State University, I lived on the university farm as an employee. Um, at the university farm, they have about a 80 head uh, Angus seed stock operation. They run a full uh, sow operation with probably 170 to 200 pigs. Um, they also have an equine education center uh, with 90 horses and then about 120 sheep on the operation. After completing my degree at Moorhead, I went to South Dakota State University where I studied under Dr. Amanda Blair. Um, there I had a focus in meat science and fetal programming. Um, my project really focused on mineral nutrition, of inorganic and organic copper and zinc. 
after completing my degree at South Dakota State University, I went straight to Denver to work for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Um, there, I was on the producer education team from October of 15 to October of 20. Uh, on that team, I was uh, the manager of the National Cattlemen's College program. So if you've ever been uh, in those years um, to our convention and you came to Cattlemen's College, you, you either saw me on stage or saw me running around like a man-man running, running the event. Um, I also took a large part of our Cattlemen's Education Series, um, which you've probably seen Nebraska participate in. Uh, the Cowman's webinar series that they do, and then the, uh, was the directing writer of the cow uh, industry feed yard audit tool, which we'll talk about a little later in this presentation. Um, I was in charge of industry tours, so whenever someone would come to uh, NCBA and want to tour, want to go on a tour outside of the organization, um, some of those included uh, us going to feed yards, cow calf operations, packing plants around the area. I uh, served as the industry expert for the association, or one of them, of course, uh, helping out with the U.S. Roundtable for Sustainable Beef and then the Issues Management Team. Um, I wrote a lot of their uh, articles for their publications, so the National Cattlemen or the Directions Magazine they, they put out um, each year. Checkoff funded pro programs uh, helped on the National Beef Quality Assurance Program. And one specific program that I, that I managed was the National Beef Quality Audit, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So what brought me to Nebraska is my beautiful bride. We both uh, worked at National Cowman's Beef Association. She was on the communications team. We got married in October of 2020. Uh, and so we had a little bit of a COVID wedding, uh, but shortly after our, we got married, we both had employment here with the University of Nebraska. Me as the director of Beef Quality Assurance and her as the director of the Women in Agriculture program. So now we're here in her hometown of Scotts Bluff, Nebraska, uh, being close to her family farm. We really wanted to get out of Denver and get back on the, on the farm. And so um, we're glad that these positions opened up and we were able to move back. So today, uh, like I said, I got here in November of 20, um, extension educator and director of the Beef Quality Assurance Program. How is the program funded? Well, it gets a little money from all sorts of places. So a lot of our program is funded by the Nebraska Beef Council, uh, the Nebraska Animal Science, UNL Animal Science Program and their extension program, and also the Nebraska Cattlemen and Nebraska Cattlemen's Foundation. So I want to give you a little bit of history of BQA and what it is um, before we get into tonight's presentation. So in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, the beef quality assurance program really came to be because cattlemen were becoming concerned with government regulation. Um, there were a lot of violative residues popping up in beef packing plants across the country, and USDA was going to step in and do something about it. However, the cattleman was able to work alongside USDA's uh, Food Safety Inspection Service and develop some uh, practices to really assess how they could reduce those residues. And they developed the first verified production controlled feedlots, those three feedlots that help uh, work with USDA. And they, and they developed a quality assurance program that later became the backbone of what BQA is today. In 87, the national BQA program came to be, and we started seeing our first state beef quality assurance programs pop up in the early 90s, with Nebraska being one of the first. Now, I mentioned the National Beef Quality Audit uh, there in 91. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Today, the BQA program is active in 47 states across the nation. So what exactly is BQA? Well, it's a voluntary producer-driven program that is based on HACCP principles. And it has education training focused towards producers to build their awareness on their day-to-day -day practices and how it influences meat quality, safe, and safety. It's based on recommended national guidelines and research, but it's also used to protect consumer confidence in beef. So the mission of BQA is to maximize consumer confidence in an acceptance of beef by focusing the producer's attention on their daily production practices to influence the safety, wholesomeness, and quality of beef and beef products. So the goals of the program is to enhance our car carcass quality by preventing those residues eliminating pathogen contamination, and avoiding carcass defects. Uh, we can also maximize our consumer confidence by utilizing best management practices set forth by the BQA program. So in 
all in a roundabout way. The BQA program is a total quality management program. You know, time is money. So if we can spend a dollar of our time to prevent a defect on, on our operations, it saves us $10 to uh, fix that defect once it gets to manufacturing or the packing plant when we're harvesting that animal. And it saves us $100 to fix the defect if it makes it to the consumer. And later on in the presentation, I'm gonna show you examples of how we know defects are making it all the way to the consumer. So BQA is the key to prevention. Now I talked about the National Beef Quality Audit. And so what that is, is that it serves as our industry scorecard. It's conducted every five years. And the reason it came about is because of an economist named Chuck Lambert. Now Chuck Lambert wrote a paper back in 89 discussing how um, all the lost opportunities we had in the beef industry. And from that paper, he found that we're losing almost $12 billion a year in the beef industry just on lost opportunities and those defects. Now that was $12 billion in 1989. Today with inflation, you know, that's a lot larger number. So from his paper, it was decided that you can't really manage uh, what you don't measure. So how do we manage the BQA program? How do we measure how good of a job we're doing? So we needed a way to set a benchmark for us and, and decide where we need to go for continuous improvement. So the National Beef Quality Audit helps us identify those shortfalls and allow for greater profit through increasing demand. So one success story that we found from the National Beef Quality Audit is our injection site lesion. So in 1991, the first injection site lesion study was done in fed cattle. And from that study, we found that 22% of fed animals had an injection site lesion. Now, the last time that study was conducted was in 2001, and that's because when they did that study, they found less than 3% of injection site lesions. However, we still do that uh, injection site lesion study in our market cows and bulls. Um, the last one was done in 2016, and we found that uh, about 30% of our, uh, or no, excuse me, 15% of our dairy animals still have an injection site lesion in their round, and 7% of our beef animals have injection site lesions in their rounds. Now, when we talk about our market cows and bulls, that is our seed stock cattle that we're using, our, cow, our mama and daddy cows that we're raising, we're raising uh, our calves out of. And so eventually they do end up in the food supply. And so we need to be uh, conscious of where we're placing our injections to reduce those injection site lesions. Still in the industry, we're losing about $2.4 million annually injection site lesions. So BQA here recently has become top of mind. And the reason it's become top of mind is because, well, we want it there. We want to make sure a lot of our consumers, our beef consumers, are understanding that we have a quality assurance program already so that they don't go develop their own. And so Wendy's was the first to step up to the plate. In 2018, they announced that they would only source beef from BQA certified. Uh, they only wanted to source BQA certified beef. Now, Cargill and Tyson and our other packers to meet that demand could only source beef from BQA certified feed yards. So Tyson announced that they would only uh, source 90% of their cattle and Tyson announced they would only source 100% of their cattle. Shortly after they upped the ante and they said that they would only allow transporters who are beef quality assurance transportation certified uh, to deliver cattle with their plants. And we'll talk a little bit about what BQAT is here in the next couple of slides. So currently Cargill in the state of Nebraska, uh, they're running around that 88% for sourcing fed cattle and 85% for BQAT. Tyson, they met their, their mark at 100%. The reason they did that is because they are not allowed to source cattle unless uh, the producer who's selling those cattle to them are BQA certified. And 98% of the haulers that deliver their plant are BQA, certif BQA transportation certified. Now, I kind of want to cover the evolution of BQA. In the past, like I said, it was all based on biotive residues and injection site lesions. And so here are some images of some of those injection site lesions that we've seen in, in beef packing plants. Um, I do have some other images where we've seen uh, injection site lesions make it all the way to the retail case. Um, I also have an image where if you ever eat a roast beef sandwich at Subway, um, I have the Subway meat where it's laid out on their counter where you can see an injection site lesion, how it made it all the way to the consumer. So that's one example I talked about how we know some of those uh, defects that we see in the beef industry are making it all the way to our consumers. And when they see stuff like that, they don't want to buy beef. And so we need to do the best we can to eliminate that. 
So today, BQA covers so many different topics now. Uh, one area of focus we really, uh, we really aim at is animal behavior and handling, how we're handling those animals. Biosecurity, that's something that we're going to talk about a little later on how we're really starting to push the ante on biosecurity and make it more important and top of mind for our producers. We cover herd health management, record keeping, staying at the top, environmental quality control points. You know, sustainability is becoming the big word of the beef industry. And so BQA is making sure we are there in that realm discussing how we are focusing on where we can help protect the environment and be good stewards of the land from a BQA perspective. Emergency action planning, ensuring we have a plan together. Uh, if ever we have a loss of utilities or um, you know, any kind of natural disaster that we're prepared for that. And we're out running around uh, trying to figure out what we need to do. We already have that plan put together. Worker safety is top of mind and then transportation like I mentioned. However, we're also using the BQA program as a tool to educate and increase consumer confidence in beef production and beef products. So BQA and meeting consumer expectations. In order to meet consumer expectations, we must have two things. Our product integrity, which is us ensuring that our product is safe to eat, how our animals are raised, um, and the handling and well-being and the well, uh, animal health of those animals before they're harvested. Also, we need to ensure a quality, uh, quality and eating satisfaction of our product. So the flavor profile, the tenderness, and the juiciness. And some ways on how we raise our animals, handle our animals, can affect those quality attributes. During our 2016 cattle industry or uh, National Beef Quality Audit Strategy Workshop, a cow-calf producer said it best, and it doesn't matter what our weights and yields are of our animals if we don't have a consumer that will buy our product. Because if we don't have someone that's purchasing our product, we have no marketing chain for our product. And so how will we move it and stay in business? So the National Beef Checkoff has done several consumer market surveys uh, based around BQA. In 2017, uh, they did one where I was unprompted and they asked, what are your concerns around beef production? And 61% of consumers said they had a concern. Of those concerns, 33% of the consumers said it was the treatment of cattle, 12% said safety and obtaining product. Now, in another survey, consumers were asked, how much knowledge do you know about how uh, beef is raised for food? 24% of consumers said they knew. 68% of our consumers said when making a purchasing decision, they consider how those animals were raised before making that purchase. So on this line graph, I wanted to show you that we, after we talked with our, our consumers, we talked to them about the beef industry before we uh, introduced them to the BQA program, we see that 5%, so I'm looking at the red line, 5% of our consumers felt strongly negative about how cattle were raised and only 20% felt strongly positive. However, after we introduced them to the BQA program and talked to them about how the program is something that producers voluntarily implement on their operation and follow the guidelines and practices on how they raise their cattle to ensure proper well-being, we see the shift in that, that line. We see that 2%, uh, our strongly negative group fell to 2%, our strongly positive group fell to or rose to 30%. And so we see how the BQA program could be used to tell our story on how we're raising cattle on our operation the right way. So why is BQA important? You know, I've talked about it already. We have two groups of people. We have our producers and then society or our consumers. So when we have a producer who is implementing BQA, they are ensuring a market and ensuring a safe product for their consumers um, to continue to buy beef and beef products. Now, now we got to go into a little bit of the dark side of things that we see in the industry that is not BQA and how that can be an, a problem. So this is actually an image that I took myself. I was at a livestock auction market and I was actually recording this guy. He was doing an excellent job handling the cattle until they broke on him and started to turn back on him. And then you can see him take his rattle paddle like a baseball bat and swinging it towards the head of an animal. Now I didn't capture the head of the animal, but if you look there at the bottom, you can see a little piece of the nose. Now, when things like this happen, this is what gives our industry a bad image. And last year we did get an update from Livestock Marketing Association that they had caught animal activists inside of auction markets recording images like this and images of cattle 
who were emaciated or under con condition uh, coming into our cell barns. And they're posting that stuff. And so it gives us a really bad image for the beef industry. This image is a bunch of carcass bruising. Um, this is something I just kind of want to show. This can be caused by many different things. I'm not pointing the blame on anyone or what it is. However, there's some of these images where we, we have a really good idea where it's coming from. Um, so where could the bruising be coming from? First, first of all, is it could be handling. It could be our facility design. Um, it could be our transportation. Now, some of these bruises we know are attributed to transportation for sure. Our cattle are getting taller. Trailers are not getting bigger. And so when they're dipping down into the belly of a pot, they scrape their backs or when they're being rushed up in the trailers, they're bumping their hips going through the door or going down the alley. And so that causes a lot of bruising. In particular, I wanna point out the center image here. Um, this is where we definitely know where they're dropping down into that belly, they're bumping right along their back and causing a major bruise. Now, why is this a big deal? Because that bruise has to be removed. It has to be completely trimmed out and that costs us quite a bit of money. Now, bruises are categorized from our National Beef Quality Audit uh, based on minor, major, critical, and ex or extreme and critical. Whenever it's a minor bruise, it's about a pound of trim. When we go up to a major, it's up to 10, from a pound to 10 pounds. And then we go from 10 pounds to the whole, the whole primal. Um, and then whenever we throw away the whole primal, that's an extreme. And, and you know, back in the early 90s, when we first started doing the National Beef Quality Audit, Entire carcasses were being condemned and thrown away because the bruising was so major. We've come a long way in the industry. We've eliminated a lot of our bruising. However, it's still costing us a lot of money. In 2016, based on the results from the audit and how many cattle we had slaughtered in the U.S., we found that we're still losing $62 million just on bruising. This is a defect that we can fix uh, by trying to you know, work on our trailer design, work on our facility design and proper stockmanship and how we're using our handling tools and making sure we're using them properly. You know, swinging them like a baseball bat or hitting them with sticks, that isn't, that isn't the right way to do it. A handling tool should be an extension of your arm. Um, I like using a handling tool. I like to know I have that space between the animal when we're working them. Um, so just be making sure we're using those handling tools properly. <clears throat> So there's some other reasons why BQA is important. It's to help keep us out of the media. Um, you know, I got several different uh, news clippings here. An Iowa man was accused of starving his cattle. Um, BQA goes into nutrition and proper body condition scoring. There is a, actually a Nebraska producer who's in the news uh, currently for the same reason on a feed yard. Um, you know, I talked about violative residues. And so I, I don't know if you can see my cursor on the screen, but um, pointing at the lower left, one where it's out of the uh, a article from the Chicago Tribune talking about drug residues in, in meat. Now, Chicago Tribune, we have a lot of consumers that are reading this who have no clue about the beef industry, have never stepped foot on operation. They see, oh my goodness, I could be eating product that has drug residue in it. And so they don't want to eat beef. And so that's why we need to make sure we're using the BQA to say, hey, no, under BQA, we make sure we follow withdrawal periods and we make sure all of our animals are met a withdrawal period before marketing those animals. Another thing over in the bottom right side, Ohio man pleads guilty for butchering a calf containing a non-approved drug. So this producer went off label with a, with a drug without veterinary consent and, and butchered that animal. And so because of that, he could be facing jail time. Now the one up the top gets kind of close to home. This is a, a cow. 8,000% the legal limit of a drug in edible tissue. This was back in 2017. And this happened in Newcastle, Nebraska. And so when stuff like this hits the news, especially in our home state of Nebraska, you know, we don't want to be in the news for this. We want to be better than that. And so that's why you know, utilizing BQA can protect us from that. I also want to talk about timely marketing and fitness for transport. Um, so I have some, some images here that are, that are a little bit disturbing um, for some. Uh, so I apologize if it is for you, but these are images of, of cattle that are making it to our beef packing plants. And so if images of these were to get out, you know, it could be detrimental um, to our industry. And you may ask, well, how in the world would an image like this um, get out to a consumer and be picked up in, in media? And the reason is, is because there are some plant workers who could just be sending it to a friend, a text to a friend and include that image. And so when they see things like this, you know, they don't think about running out and buying a juicy cheeseburger. And so some things I kind of want to point out here is in the lower 
uh, left of your screen, we have two uh, black steers, one with a white face, and those animals have obvious shoulder injuries and locomotion injuries. And so those animals should probably not went on the truck. The next animal on over to the right had something wrapped around its leg that they took off prior to shipping it. We have a couple images of emaciated animals. And then on the far bottom right corner, um, you know, in the beef industry, especially in the call industry, we do harvest animals that are pregnant. It happens. Um, you know, we don't know the story behind it. We don't know if that animal could have made it to have those calves and raise those calves or what kind of condition she is. You know, of course, we want to market these animals before their welfare is in jeopardy. However, we want to be able to want the producer to be able to capture that value if they can. So this image is on here because this cow had uh, twin calves in one of the kill pens. And so if this was to get out to a consumer, you know, they're not think they see something like this. It really affects them. Um, one example I have for that is because in, in 2019, I believe, of Thanksgiving, it was in New Jersey. A cow uh, got off a truck. She was on her way to a packing plant, got off the truck, and she was rescued and sent to a rescue. And so she was in the news about getting out, being able to go to a rescue, happy life for her. However, two weeks later, she had a calf. So now she's back in the news. And because of that, New Jersey has passed legislation where you are not allowed to harvest pregnant animals. And so if we had something, some kind of legislation like that come forward uh, in any other state, and we see consumers that don't have a clue about the industry, and they see this bill will prevent uh, people from harvesting pregnant animals. They're, of course, going to vote for that bill to pass. And so that's why we're trying to keep things, uh, images like this and things like this from affecting our uh, industry. Now, I don't know if many of you all know who this is, uh, actor Joaquin Phoenix. Um, so if you've ever watched uh, Ladder 49 or his new movie, The Joker, or Walk the Line, where he portrays Johnny Cash, um, he is an actor who is a vegan, strong vegan, very vocal vegan. And what I mean by that is because a day after the Grammys, after he gave his infamous speech about how we are tearing animals away from their families and harvesting them and murdering them, he went to a slaughterhouse in California where he rescued a calf. Like the previous image I showed before, a cow had a calf in the kill pen. Um, the processor was not going to harvest that animal. And so it ended up making it uh, uh, he ended up reaching out to a rescue operation uh, organization and Joaquin Phoenix showed up and there's a whole YouTube video on it. So if you're familiar with YouTube, go to YouTube, watch, just type in uh, Joaquin Phoenix saves and that's what will pop up. And it and over on the side, I just wanted to show all the different articles that was ran based on this. You know, we got Vanity Fair, we got CNN, uh, Vegan News, of course, would run something like this, um, Upworthy. Uh, I believe it was also in USA Today. And so those are a lot of publications where our consumers are reading and it just gives the industry, industry a black eye. So just trying to prevent things like that um, to protect our public imagery, image. Another thing that's hurting us, birdshot. You know, I hate to say it, but we find so much birdshot in our grind plants and in our beef packing plants that it's unbelievable. And typically, uh, uh, a lot of people will say, well, it's bird hunters. Bird hunters hunting up for producers' operations, and they wing a cow, or they shoot the cows to get, away, get them away from them if they're coming, being curious on them and things like that, which I'm going to go into more detail on how I know it's not the bird hunters here in a second. Uh, but I just kind of wanted to go through these images. So the one on the far right, the fork one, that actually came from a cattleman's meeting. Uh, cattleman stuck his fork in and pulled out a piece of bird shot. The next one over, I, I screenshotted myself from Facebook. Um, I'm part of a smoking meat low and slow group. And somebody asked, what did I just find in my brisket? The bad part of it is, is when you read the comments, a lot of people knew exactly what he found because they've found some before of their own birdshot and brisket. Um, the images up at the top are from a Philly steak plant. So where they slice meat for Philly steak sandwiches. And I'm not really sure where the ones came from on the bottom, um, but again, birdshot is an issue. So how do I know that it's not our bird hunters? I used to be a part of a Facebook group, well, still am, it's back alive again, of producers who like to share their ideas and on what they do to uh, prevent things on their operation. So a producer asked, you know, I, I got a friend who's got bulls that are fighting through the fence. I told him he could, you know, shoot them with rock salt. 
Um, but what's some other things? And here are the comments that people were recommending. 12 gauge with birdshot, uh, number six birdshot. And so just a lot of people saying, uh, pop them with birdshot. Uh, down the bottom right corner, we'll see a little bit of a conversation here. Someone said, contain your bull. It's not cruelty to animals if you're defending your livelihood. You didn't kill it. Now, producer fired back at her and said, how would you like to be peppered with a gun? Let's have some respect for the animals. She said, I guess he should have killed it. What's up with all these PETA lovers? So now she's calling a producer a PETA lover because he doesn't believe in shooting his cattle with shotguns. Now, some of these comments go in and I can't get them all on the screen. There were plenty more, trust me. And a lot of them are like, as long as you don't hit them in the eyes or in the testicles, it's fine. Well, that's, that's not the case when it comes to animals. Even though you think it might not be penetrating their hide or they have a tough hide, some of that birdshot does get through and it causes um, a huge safety issue for our industry. I actually have a video, I'm not, I'm not gonna show it here, but I have a video of how some imported beef uh, from the US to South Korea, made it to South Korea with birdshot in the beef and a consumer found it and it made news over there. What would happen if, if it made news here in the US of birdshot being in beef and beef products? It'd be pretty detrimental to our industry. Broken needles, uh, we still find broken needles in the beef packing plant, um, definitely a safety issue. If you are treating an animal and you break a needle off, it is against BQA guidelines to commercially harvest that animal. However, we understand that if you are a feeder or a feed yard and you have a 15 or you know 1200 pound animal that you just broke a needle off in, you're not gonna let that animal go to waste. What we recommend is a salvage slaughter of that animal. So take it to a small packer, somebody nearby that could harvest that animal for you. You can take possession of the meat or one of your employees can take possession of the meat. Um, but you're able to communicate directly with that harvester. Hey, we broke a needle off in the neck. We weren't able to get it out. Our veterinarian wasn't able to get it out. Um, but we still want to save this product. Just be sure to look for that needle when you harvest this animal. So that's what we kind of recommend for BQA. Remote delivery devices, big topic in beef quality assurance. Um, you know, BQA used to have really strong language on this. However, they've kind of backed off a little bit um, due to uh, some issues with some producers. However, uh, there is still language against it on that. You know, we really don't condone it. You know, it is a useful tool if it is used properly. How, properly. However, it needs to be your last resort option. Um, the risk of it is because we were finding entire dart components in beef packing plants. So here I have images of a whole dart that was found in a chunk of meat. I believe this came out of the chuck. Um, here's a part where a dart was found in the, in the meat. Um, research has also shown that it, there's a failure to consistently deliver the intended doses. So there's research that shows that even if the needle penetrates the hide of the animal, um, it does not administer the entire dosage. And so that could lead us down a path of antimicrobial resistance if we're, you know, shooting Draxin or something at an animal. Um, it also could inadvertently strike sensitive tissue and it can administer the product IM and not sub-Q. So, you know, that, that comes into an FDA violation. So if it says you got to give a product sub-Q and you shoot an animal and give it and it go, that dart hits the muscle, um, you just went off label without veterinary consent. And so that, that could lead you down a, a very dangerous legal road with the FDA. With the violative or with the uh, sensitive tissues, that's where I got my image up here in the top uh, with the dart hanging out of the, the ear tag. You know, what if that animal just turned a little bit more and that dart would have penetrated that animal through the eye? We would have had a real mess on our hands. Um, so again, they are a useful tool in the right way. However, uh, using dart guns on feed yards to treat animals, probably not the best place, you know, Typically, you have a working shoot pretty close by that you can get those animals to. Um, some say it's less stress. You know, there, there might be something to that. However, you know, some of our treatments that require more than 10 cc's per dose, which we have some drugs out there, and we know producers are using those in darts. So they're shooting those animals three times with a dart. Well, after the first time, they, they know what's up. Uh, and so it makes it harder for them to dart those animals. And then they're just wherever they can hit the animal to get the medication administered. And so... Um, that's just kind of where we're at for B, uh, remote delivery devices for BQA. So BQA transportation, I know I talked about a little bit at the beginning. So why is it important? Where is it coming from? 
Um, you know, we, we need to protect our drivers in certain instances and making sure they're doing things the right way too. You know, they have a very important role in the beef industry. Without cattle transporters, we wouldn't be getting our animals from, you know, the cow-calf operation to the feed yard to the packing plant. So here's some images of where we've had accidents making into the news. Uh, the one up in the top right corner was in Utah. Uh, the guy rolled it over on an overpass and we see those cattle fell out of the top of the truck and landed down on the underpass. And, you know, some of those animals are still alive. You see them standing and, and my, most likely had to be euthanized on site. And so when we have stuff like this making the news, it's just a bad image for us. Um, if you have not seen this video, uh, it's here in Nebraska, happened on May 7th. Um, I'll start it for you. So a producer coming around or a trucker coming around the curb way too fast, rolls it over and the cattle came out the top of the truck. Now this made local news, um, but what if it would have got picked up a little bit more, maybe got picked up in Omaha or got picked up in Lincoln uh, where we have a lot of consumers that aren't too familiar with beef operations and transporting cattle. And so that's why we use BQA to help educate. So why is BQA important? This demonstrates our commitment to food safety and quality. It safeguards our public image of the beef industry and dairy industry. You know, the dairy industry is really important. You know, about 24% of our dairy animals make it into our food supply. Um, you know, especially our cull cows and, and any of those uh, steers that are born at the dairy, they make it into our beef supply. So they're very important as well. And, you know, we work with the dairy industry on BQA. We work with their farm program. So farmers assuring responsible management. Um, they have their own dairy program. And so BQA actually helps them when they write their guidelines to make sure BQA guidelines are implemented. BQA helps us uphold consumer confidence in beef and beef products. It helps us tell our story. And it also helps us uh, helps protect us from government regulation. You know, with BQA and preventing those violative residues, you know, we've eliminated that risk. You know, one thing I want to bring up is with violative residues is if you get a violative residue, they're pretty good about tracking it back to uh, the producer or where it came from. And beef cattle, you go on a list, and you're on that list for a year, and that list gets sent to livestock marketing associations as well as uh, uh, harvesters. And that way they know when your cattle show up and if they, you know, that you've sold animals that had a biotech residue. Now, beef cattle are not typically on that list. The, the dairy industry still struggles with it. Um, that could be because there's several things that affect the withdrawal date of, of uh, animals. So if you were going through a BQA training, you know, if you're veterinarian, you have a product that's sub-Q and your vet says you need to give this IM, that changes the withdrawal period. Even though it says 28 days, it extends it actually um, when we go off label or if we, and that includes a uh, frequency uh, duration. So how often we're giving and the amount. So if the label calls give two cc's per hundred weight and we're given three cc's per hundred weight. We just change the withdrawal date of that. So, um, you know, we need to make sure we're staying off that uh, repeat violators list. And that helps us by doing that, that protects us from uh, government regulation and the government stepping in and sticking their nose in, in our, our business with beef quality assurance and, and how we raise in our animals. So understanding the importance of BQA, you know, animal welfare is number one for consumers. There was a survey done, and now I know this is really broad that I'm lumping in uh, this survey because when they ask them animal welfare, well, that kind of brings in everything, dogs and cats and horses, everything, but animal welfare is number one for consumers. And that includes the product, the food products that they're eating. If it's derived from an animal, animal welfare is number one for them. Of that survey, animal welfare ranked number one while childhood hunger and starvation ranked number two. So they care more about animals than they do about kids going hungry. Um, providing consumers a high quality, safe and wholesome product. Uh, we need to make sure that's what we're doing. That way we continue to have a marketing channel for our beef. And then producers should feel ownership in the program. This program is made by producers um, right now. So there is a National Beef Quality Assurance Advisory Group. And that advisory group is composed of veterinarians, producers, feedlot owners, um, the Livestock Marketing Association. We have dairy representatives on it. And these are the people that help uh, set these guidelines and they, they review the research that's out there when they update the guidelines. So. Um, you know, right now it's being made by people who are involved in the industry. So that's why our producers need to feel ownership in the program. The worst thing that could happen to us 
is we lose teeth in the BQA program. And what I mean by that is right now we have great buy-in from consumers down the, the supply chain. So our Wendy's, McDonald's, Costco, Walmart, you know, they, they feel that BQA does a great job in ensuring the animal welfare of our cattle that we're raising for beef. Now, if we lose teeth in the program, they feel the BQA program just ain't cutting it. They could go develop their own quality assurance programs that could open the door for producers having to abide by so many different quality assurance programs. And we don't want that to happen. We want to be there to be one sole quality assurance program, and that is beef quality assurance. So it's more important than just a test and it's more than just a piece of paper. Um, it's, it's you implementing those guidelines on your operation. So brings me to my next point, implementing it on your operation. Seven most expensive words in the cow business are we've always done it this way. You know, I get it. You've been in business longer than I've been alive. I understand that. However, you know, the industry changes every day and people are starting to ask more questions. You know, back in the in the 70s and 60s, you know, people didn't ask a lot of questions about where their food was coming from. They really didn't start asking questions until Upton Sinclair's book, The Jungle, came out. Um, when that came out, that's when we started seeing a lot more government regulation starting at the beef packing plants. And now it's starting to roll downhill. And so to ensure um, that we have the ability to answer those questions to the consumers, that's why we want you to implement BQA on your operation. So how can you get BQA certified? several different ways. In person is the way I prefer. <laughs> I want you, I want to see you face to face. I'd love to meet you, uh, to talk to you about your operation and how you do things on your operation. Um, but sometimes, you know, I'm only one man and Nebraska is a big state with a lot of cattle and a lot of cattle producers. So you can reach out to your veterinarian. Most veterinarians across the state of Nebraska are certified uh, BQA trainers and they can help you get BQA certified. Also your extension beef educators. Um, Nebraska has beef educators across the state um, that serve certain regions, and they can help you get BQA certified. And of course, I'm always scheduling BQA trainings and conducting those, and so I want, I would love for you to come to one and join me on getting BQA certified. Now, I understand if you can't get away from your operation, um, so you can always get BQA certified online. I'm going to go and detail all that here in just a, a moment. Now, here since coronavirus hit, there have been no public in-person trainings due to the University of Nebraska Lincoln restrictions. Now I am an employee of UNL and because of that, they do have restrictions on meetings and what we can do at meetings. And so that really puts the handcuffs on us uh, for what kind of trainings we can do and how we can do them. So you've seen a really strong low, no trainings happening across the state. However, I do know that veterinarians are still connect, conducting trainings. That's because they don't work for UNL. So um, I have several veterinarians that are working with their producers to get them BQA certified. So continue to work with your veterinarian. However, we just scheduled a handful of in-person trainings across the state. Um, so here they are. Uh, I know they're not until June. We're trying to get a few more in May. Um, I know there are certain areas that are not covered, especially in the Northeast and the Southeast of Nebraska. We're working on that right now. Um, also in the northwest um, and in the central, north central of the state. Um, we're trying to get it to where a BQA training is happening within 30 to 60 miles of you. Um, that way, you know, you're, we're close by and we can get something done. So we're trying to get those scheduled right now. Um, and of course, you can find more information on those on our website once we get them posted. So like I said, what if you can't get away from your operation? What can you do? Well, you can go online 24-7 to bqa.org. This is the national BQA site where they have online modules. They have them in three sections, cow-calf, stocker backgrounder, and feed yard. Now, you don't have to take all three. You only need to take the modules that are applicable to your operation. So when your question may be, well, I'm a cow-calf producer and a feed yard operator or cow-calf and stocker, which ones do I take? Just take one, you don't need to take them all. It's the same material, the language is just a little different throughout. For example, in the cow-calf modules, they don't go really in depth on um, the veterinary feed directive. So for our feed yard operators, you know exactly what that is. When you can take the feed yard modules, that's where we go a little more in depth on what the VFD is and what producers need to do with it. So you can get online, this is free. Um, our in-person trainings across the state, just to, just to put that out there, 
Um, we're moving those for free as well um, from here on out. Uh, so um, just, just be aware of that. So what's new for Nebraska BQA? Coming soon, we're working on it. Uh, we're going as fast as we can. Um, uh, we're going as fast as we can for our, our BQA uh, training here, or our BQA website. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. I was trying to read a question over its side. I'll get to that here in just one second. Um, all BQA and BQAT trainings uh, that are public will be listed. So um, I do know that some producers have heard that I've been at certain feed yards or here and there across the state doing a BQA training. Uh, those were private trainings um, where they hosted the training and invited me as a speaker. And so that's how I was able to get around the UNL restrictions um, because they were the one hosting it. And I was actually just in the area driving through, uh, coming back from Lincoln. Um, and I'm happy to stop by your feed yard. If you have a group of employees that need to get certified or your cow-calf operation, you have a large group or you want to invite the neighbors and put something on, do it. And, and uh, if I'm coming through the area, we'll try to figure out a date when I'm going to be in your area and we'll do a, do a private training at your operation. Um, all BQA protocol and record keeping templates um, are going to be listed there. Uh, why that's important, we're going to talk about here in a second about the feed yard audit. Um, and then if you want to utilize those templates on your operation, uh, you have the ability to subscribe, subscribe to the BQA newsletter. So I'm going to be doing a lot better job of communicating to producers across the state about what's going on in BQA and any news that you need to be aware of. So uh, once we get our website up and going, you'll be able to subscribe to those newsletters. And I'm not going to blow up your email. Um, I'd really like these to be uh, quarterly, but we may have to do it monthly. And so you'll be able to subscribe to that. Uh, link and directions uh, to how you can access the National BQA database. So one thing we've changed is we have moved all of our certifications to the National BQA database. That is a good thing. Why is that a good thing? Because uh, your veterinarian or whoever trains you will have access to that database. So if you lose your BQA certification number, they'll be able to go into the database and look it up for you. Um, if I'm out traveling and I'm away from my computer, I have access on my phone to the national database and I can look it up immediately and email you back what your number is um, if you ever lose it. So that's why it's really great for us to be going to the national database. This database also sends out automatic emails. Um, those automatic emails will remind you 60 to 90 days out that your BQA certification is about to expire. Um, we just got to have an email on, on file. Uh, we're also uh, kind of revamping our contact us right now. It's just a click here to email us. And, you know, some people don't know what exactly they should be emailing Nebraska BQA about. Well, you should be emailing us about any general question you may have. If you want to schedule a BQA assessment on your operation, um, we have three different assessments, our cow-calf assessment, our stocker feeder, uh, stocker backgrounder assessment, and our feed yard assessment. Um, retrieving a BQA or BQAT certificate, if you lost that number, um, you can email us that way. Uh, scheduling a BQA or BQAT training in your area, and then nominating a BQA award winner. Uh, so I'll cover what that BQA award winner is here in a second. I talked about how we're online and having access to those certificates. So I just want to give you a screenshot of kind of what it looks like when you log into either the BQA or the BQA database. Um, some people have uh, the question is, what if I'm a producer that does not have an email. Um, you know, I've already had some producers come forward that don't have emails, and that's where I work with their veterinarian. Your veterinarian does have an email or your extension agent that you're working with. So just give me their name, I'll get their email, um, or you can get their email and send it to me. Uh, call me and I'll get it, and, and, and we'll send your certificate to them, and you can just go pick it up there at their office. Um, that's how we're going to handle those situations. Uh, BQA recertification. So I am all about producer continuing education. I don't think that if you get BQA certified, then three years later when it expires, you should have to show up and go through the same exact slides or same exact, exact training. And that's currently the way the BQA program is set up. So I'm changing it. Um, if you participate in a BQA assessment on your operation by either myself or an approved party, we'll count that as a recertification. We still probably will make you do the BQA test. It's a 20 question test just to check your knowledge of BQA. As long as you pass that, it proves to me that you still have good knowledge of what the BQA program is 
and you don't need to go through the BQA course again. Another way we're going to do it is attending six hours over a three-year period of approved BQA uh, continuing ed events. Um, we'll post what those events will be at bqa.edu um, once we have the website up and going. And what you will just need to submit to me is proof that you attended. So the registration confirmation or a receipt that you, you registered to go. Um, a lot of these events are going to be extension education opportunities. So if there's an extension meeting happening in your area and you can get to it or, you know, Nebraska takes part as a participant in the uh, Range Beef Cow Symposium. So if you were to go to it, it's a two-day event. If you went to the whole event, that counts as your six hours of ed continuing education. Um, so that's kind of what we're doing um, to help continue to further the education of our producers and making sure they're involved uh, in all the events that we have. Um, biosecurity, I mentioned it earlier, uh, you know, it's becoming a lot more of a focused issue across the nation. You know, we're worried about foot and mouth disease happening here in the States. And a lot of us are saying it's not if it'll happen, it's when it's going to happen. And so we want to make sure our producers are prepared for that. And so we're really taking a deeper dive on biosecurity. Uh, just recently, the National uh, Beef Quality Assurance Program launched their biosecurity training module online. So if you were to go to that online BQA set, you'll see those biosecurity modules that you can go to to learn a little bit more about what you can do in your operation. Um, we also have a bi daily biosecurity template. Um, and then we're working with Secure Beef Supply for an enhanced biosecurity uh, protocol to be implemented on your operation. So for feed yards across the state in the state of Nebraska, I urge you to contact Dr. Brian Vanderlei uh, at Great Plains Veterinary Center. They just received a grant to go to feed yards across the state of Nebraska and work with them on building an enhanced biosecurity protocol free of charge. So this is really a great opportunity for you to get our vets from GP Vec out on your operation to help you work on this. Why is this important? You know, if you sell to, sell to Tyson, um, uh, they are starting to implement uh, a new, some new tools in their, in their farm check program. Um, and one of those is the secure beef supply. And so they want to see that you are, you have a secure beef supply plan either in progress or you're working on it. Um, they want, they kind of want to see that. So reach out to them guys. Um, if you, if, if I get off this slide too quickly, if you know, and you don't go back and watch the recording, reach out to me and I'll be happy to share their, their information. I mentioned BQA award, award winners. Um, the whole idea around the BQA awards is to give producers recognition of uh, the steps they go above and beyond to ensure animal welfare and how they implement BQA on their operations. And so I wanna make sure Nebraska producers get the recognition they deserve. You know, since the program has been around, the award program has been around, we've only had four winners in the state of Nebraska. And I don't really like that. I, I wanna have more. I wanna make sure that we are, we are uh, submitting applications every year for an award. And I would love to work with your operation to get you submitted um, for a BQA award. So uh, feel free to reach out to me and, and we'll, we'll get that started for you. Now I mentioned the US Cattle Industry Feed Yard Audit Tool. Um, this is a tool, if you wanna read it, it's no secret, it's out there. Um, it lives at the website here on the screen. Um, you can go read it. Uh, this audit tool, is uh, something that we uh, um, that was brought forth because we wanted to prevent multiple uh, organizations from making their own audit tool. We only wanted our feed yard producers to be subject to one audit, not four, five, or six. You know, um, so Tyson is already picking this up. Instead, they've kind of changed their Tyson Farm Check program around. So if you've ever done Tyson Farm Check in the beginning. Um, then you, need to, then you need to know that uh, uh, the audit is also um, going to be their new, new tool that they are using. So how can you prepare for this audit is to contact your Nebraska BQA state coordinator, um, which is myself. Um, I'd be happy to, to work with you. Now, uh, I did this uh, similar presentation this just the other day. I had a feed yard reach out to me about coming and doing an assessment on their operation. Um, I did let them know that I'd really like to do multiple feed yards in the area. You know, I'm very conscious of, of the checkoff dollar um, that's used to fund the program and making sure that you get the most bang for your buck when I'm out on the road. And so I don't want to drive all the way to the eastern side of the state to just do one feed yard. I really want to do multiple feed yards. You know, I'll make a whole week out of it 
um, if, if we can. And so if we can get a group of feed yards that want to do one, it, it probably will take me a day to do a whole assessment, depending on the size of the feed yard. If it's a small feed yard, it won't take too long, a couple hours, but I'd be happy to come out. Now, I do know that there are some veterinarians across the state that are doing these assessments. Um, so maybe it, you might want to reach out to your veterinarian and see if they're doing it, or I'd be happy to come out and help you out. Uh, there is, uh, about to finish up here, uh, last slide, um, there is some current BQA research that's going on and I need your help. I need Nebraska producers help. Um, this is for cow-calf operations. Um, we are only looking for uh, cow uh, processing. So when you're running your cows through the chute from now until December the 31st. Now, the problem is, is you work your cows on your schedule and I also have this, this schedule that I got to keep with UNL, but any opportunity you have, email me or call me. We'll, we'll work around. We'll see if I can put my stuff on hold and get to your operation. Um, the majority of operations I need right now are 10 to 49 head operations or 50 to 99 head operations. What it entails is I'm going to come and I'm just going to observe uh, you working your cattle, those animals going through the chute. Uh, this research is to evaluate the industry benchmark. Um, what it is is we're updating our BQA cow-calf assessment. Inside that assessment, we do a cattle handling observation. Um, and we're just making sure we got the right percentages in that assessment. We're just reevaluating it, making sure it works for the industry. Um, so I am not the BQA police. I'm not coming out there to tell on you and say, oh my gosh, this person is doing this on their operation. That's not what I'm doing. The only thing I'm doing is coming out to watch and, and record and I'll show you the record sheet that I'll be using. Um, and all this is private. It does not come back to your operation. It will be aggregated with every operation in the state of Nebraska and then every operation in the U.S. Um, we're going to multiple states, and I, I drew the straw where I'm, I'm uh, helping out with uh, some of the states around Nebraska and as well as Kentucky. So um, if you are interested, please reach out to me. Uh, this is my contact information that you can reach me on. And also, I want to meet you. I want to visit your operation. So even if you don't want to participate in that research or you don't want to do an assessment, you just want to meet me or, or get more involved with BQA, give me a holler. I would love to come out and make a road trip for a week of just visiting producer operations um, and getting to know you all better. Um, so here's my contact information. And with that, I'll answer any questions that we have. I'm going to look over here at um, some of the questions that had come up. Uh, so Scott, I see your question, the broken bow. Um, I think I might, I don't know if we're doing those meetings at the same exact time. Uh, Troy Waltz had, was the one that had set up the broken bow meeting for me. Um, so I don't know if we're having those meetings in conjunction with each other, uh, the BQA training and what you're doing, but maybe we need to visit that, do have them together. Um, we'll just have to see if, if I haven't scheduled another one over top of it. Um, so yeah, we can, we can get that, we can get that taken care of. Uh, but if there's any other questions, Benita, if anybody's got their hands up or any other questions I need to get to, I'd be more than happy to, uh, to take those right now. I don't see any more questions. If there are some, if you want to raise your hand or type in that Q and A box. Don Caldwell, I'll unmute you so you can ask your question. Jesse, good job on this meeting. Thank you. No problem. Um, yeah, good to hear from you and good to see you and welcome to Nebraska. I just have a question. I, I know things are loosening up around the state and you have an amazing group of meetings lined up here. Is there any opportunity for some of the larger cattlemen's affiliates to schedule you um, for just their affiliate yes. rather than trying to get to one of those regional meetings? Yes, 100%. Um, so I was actually talking to Benita about that. We were actually going to get an email drafted up um, to send out to all the affiliates across the state that if you all are part of your affiliate and you want to do a training um, or you need a, a speaker, I mean, I can't. There's only so much I can speak on, but I can definitely do a BQA training. Um, uh, reach out. I'd be more than happy to come to one of your meetings um, to do something. I, I've already had a small affiliate in the Southeast reach out um, to do something for him in, in July. 
Um, but yes, I'd be more than happy to come. Awesome. And that's, you know, maybe then when you do those emails, um, even though it's, you know, you're reaching out to feed yards, but maybe if we know you're coming this way, um, if you send it out to the presidents, I am not that person, but I would help you out as a board member, um, try to get you lined up with some of the affiliates in the area of the feedlot you're coming to. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Thank you, Don. Thank you. Jacqueline, do you have a question? Uh, Jacqueline, I see your question. What's the URL for the National BQA training? Is that what is that what you were wanting to ask? I see your hands up, and you're unmute. You can unmute if you want. If that's your question, it's it's uh, for the online National BQA training. It's bqa.org. Um, once you get on their website, it's really easy. Just click certification down in the lower right corner and they'll take you exactly where you want to go. And the email that goes out tomorrow morning will have all these links just to help you guys out. And then Kurt, um, you want me to, what are we looking at during the feed lot assessment? Um, so feed lot assessment, we're really just covering a lot of uh, it's a lot of the guidelines that BQA has. So uh, there's protocols that we would like to see and templates. Um, I wish I had one on my desk. I'm sure I have one on my bookcase, but I don't want to go digging looking for it. But a lot of those are around uh, different record keeping things you have, um, processing map if you have that. It's just going through those records and things that you have in order. You know, if you are a feed yard and you are subjected to the audit, the audit wants to see those pro those protocols written down. Um, and so that's what the assessment will help prepare, prepare you for. And that we will find out what holes you have, um, where you're missing stuff, and we'll get that corrected. There's also some outside stuff. So some outside portion to it. So animal handling, same thing with what we're doing with that cow-calf uh, project. Um, I'm going to sit there at the front of your chute at the corner, and I'm just going to stay out of the way and watch you do your thing when you work cattle. Um, and we're just assessing if those animals are tripping or stumbling when they come out of the chute, if any of them fall. Um, a lot of that stuff is really assessing your, your um, footing inside your processing facility. Uh, we're looking at hot shot usage. Now, every time I say hot shot usage, it really does scare people. Uh, the hot shot is a useful tool. It's not something that we are against. We understand that the hot shot is a useful tool. I would rather you poke an animal with a hot shot and beat on them with a stick to get them to move forward. That's how I feel about it. Um, so, and I know a lot of other stockmen feel the same way, um, but we do analyze that when we do the animal handling portion uh, during the assessment. Um, we also go out and we assess your pins, um, the mud condition, uh, you know, in Nebraska, uh, there's some portions where we have really wet feed yards, however, we're not looking at just the mud in the pen. We're looking at the mud buildup on the animal. Whenever there's mud buildup on the animal, that becomes a safety issue because for uh, when those animals are harvested. Because you got to remember, all the mud manure buildup on that carcass when the animal is harvested goes inside the plant. And as soon as we take a knife and poke it through that hide, we just poked into the carcass all that contamination. So the less amount of mud and manure buildup on the carcass, uh, the better. And so we're just looking at things like that. Um, uh, we look at your uh, feed bunks. If there's any uh, moldy or spoilage of feed that's in there that wasn't cleaned out, any uh, foreign material, some mud, mud, manure, rocks, things like that. And then your water tanks. We're doing water tank assessment, just uh, how clean they are. Um, a lot of people get freaked out by that one as well because they think uh, that your water tank has to be as spotless as a bottle of water. Well, that's not the case. We understand that so you could clean that water tank and walk away and the first animal that comes up to get a drink, a bunch of feed's gonna come out of their mouth and they're gonna just dirty it again. No, it's all about the buildup around the tank and if there's algae floating on top and the clarity of the water when it comes to assessing water tanks. So um, I really hope that you all uh, are interested in doing a feed yard assessment. Um, I would really like to come to your operation and do one and just build that relationship between your feed yard and the Nebraska Beef Quality Assurance Program. 
Katrine has got a question. So yeah, Scott, we could we could probably potentially get that BQA training uh, scheduled during your June 18th meeting for sure. Well, if there aren't any other questions, I think we will uh, conclude our webinar tonight. I want to thank Jesse for being a part of it. And, uh, again, watch your email for uh, a wrap up tomorrow morning. Um, we'll cover some of the things that we talked about share some links and share all those dates that uh, Jesse has on, on the calendar. Thank you all for letting me be here. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And uh, you know, I hope to definitely be back and I hope you reach out to me and uh, we can start making uh, Nebraska the number one state in the nation for BQA. Now, we got some stiff competition uh, with some other states and I think the beef state needs to be number one. And so, I'm willing to put in the work and I just need uh, your help and, and participation.